0: Hello, everybody. This is Tom Brew, your publisher at Fastball on Fan Nation on your Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network, and welcome to the very first AL East preview that we're going to do to open up the season. Uh, it's uh, we're going to do all six divisions, and we're going to start with the AL East tonight. And and to do that, and uh, and uh, kind of run down the teams and what's going on, and get some opinions and some expertise. Want to welcome in our uh, uh, our new uh, Fastball on. Uh, on Fan Nation writer Brady Farkas, who's going to be covering the AL East all year long for us. Brady, how are you tonight?
1: I'm well, Tom. Thanks for being with me. Well, actually, I guess thanks for letting me be with you, I should well, say. Yeah.
0: Well, we're all in this together now, right? So it's uh, we're good and they're excited. Obviously, opening day is uh, just right around the corner on Thursday. And uh, you're based in the Northeast, so you've got... Uh, lots of uh, on-hand AL East knowledge as well. And of course, you know, I covered the division last year for fans, for fan nation as well. So uh, certainly we should have uh, uh, a lot of, f- a lot of fun tonight talking about the AL East. It's uh, it should as always be a very entertaining race. And, uh, uh, last year it was the Yankees who, uh, uh, who wound up winning the division, although it was the Blue Jays who were sort of favored too. And, a uh, uh, nice season for the Yankees and uh, making the postseason, And of course the Blue Jays and Rays did as well. And, uh, uh, but, uh, this year now the Yankees are the slight favorite going in, uh, took a look at the, uh, at the, at the win totals, uh, from our friends at FanDuel and the Yankees are, uh, on that number to, uh, uh, to, uh, to win their, the over-under on them is 93 and wins and the Jays are right behind them at 91 and the Rays at 89. Uh, so it's, you know, it should be a good competitive race, but, uh, you know, so we're looking, looking forward to breaking down the ALEs today, so.
1: Yeah, it's an excellent division. For the last several years, we've thought it was the best division in the sport. I think that's up for debate this year. I think the AL West is very, very strong, at least at the top with Houston and Seattle, and the Rangers kind of this, uh, I don't know if we call them a dark horse, but this team that's certainly gone all in over the last couple of years. Angels have made some moves as well, and the NL East looks like it could be a bloodbath there between the Mets, the Phillies, and the Braves. So uh, I think the AL East has some real competition for best division in the sport, but it's certainly – very, very deep, and it does not have any, at least, super weak links like in Oakland or or something like that, or a Washington, as those other divisions have. So, really, a deep division, and uh, going to be a lot of attrition for sure all year long.
0: Absolutely, and I think when you're you know, kind of evaluating this division too, what I'm looking forward to seeing is uh, with the new uh, the new schedule, uh, like you know these you know last several years. Uh, you had to play 76 games against your AL East opponents. And uh, and they just beat the heck out of each other, especially these last couple years when everybody was, uh, was you know, anywhere from good to really good. And uh, this year now they're all just playing each other 13 times, and that makes a huge difference. Uh, and, I, you know, I think – that's partly, uh, you know, kind of surprises me a little bit, I think, as to how uh, people look at the AL East because they're going to now have to kind of earn their chops a little bit more against some of the better teams, like you mentioned, the AL West and the, and the top of the AL Central and such. But now they get, you know, a few more games with, you know, the Detroits and the Kansas Cities of the world, too, and Oakland, that, the, you know, you know they get more extra games with them as well. So it's going to – I think that will have a profound impact, you know, certainly on the race itself.
1: Yeah, I mean, I look at the Red Sox last year. They were – Done in by by divisional competition. They couldn't beat Toronto. They couldn't beat the Yankees. They couldn't beat Tampa. They couldn't beat anybody in their division. But they played well outside of it, replacing you know less games with the Yankees, with the Blue Jays, with the Rays, with Baltimore, and replacing them consistently with the Pirates and the Reds and the uh, and the A's, as you mentioned, Kansas City, Detroit. I, that that's going to be a good thing, and I think you're going to see this division show how good it is when it plays outside of the division, because there's going to be a lot of chance to look, yes, you're going to play the Dodgers. Yes. You're going to play, you know, the Cardinals and the brewers, these teams that look to be good, but I, I don't think those teams are all Dodgers. Yes. but I don't think all those teams are as good as the teams within your own division. So I think these teams are really going to kind of be able to balloon up their overall win totals. Cause they're all really, really good, or at least have reasons for high level optimism.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I got the three questions for you as we, uh, preview the AL East tonight, so we'll uh, we'll start there with question number one. The Yankees are favored to win the division. On a scale of one to ten, how good do you feel about them repeating in this division?
1: Six and a half. I, just th- I do think there's questions for this Yankees team, and most of it, as it has been for the last several years, has been based around injury. I mean, they just have not been able to stay healthy for the last couple of years, and here we are. The season hasn't even started, and we're already at a slew of injuries. You look at the pitching staff, which already – been decimated you got Luis severino now out for a little bit here with a lat strain you got carlos rodon who's out yes he's throwing bullpens but he's not going to start the season frankie montas might miss the entire season and even if he does come back who knows what he'd be able to do that was a bus trade last year from oakland bullpen a lot of issues there too tommy canely is going to be out lou trevino is going to be out it just continues on and then There are the questions about Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Yes, Judge had a healthy and obviously productive year last year. Can he repeat that? I would worry about regression to the mean, first and foremost, with him. And then he didn't get hurt last year. He's been hurt nearly every other year of his career. So I'd wonder, can he repeat his productivity and can he stay on the field for as much as he did last year? Stanton has never been a guy that's been able to really stay consistently healthy for the Yankees as well. So I think the Yankees are counting on Judge to be as good as he was last year, which is no given. They've got a lot of injuries here in the starting rotation. And then there are some other questions as well. Josh Donaldson struggled last year. He's getting older. Does he regress further this year? Anthony Volpe is the top prospect for the organization. He makes the team at shortstop, and that's great, but he is going to be a rookie. Is he a guy who comes in and hits 225 and does rookie things or – is he Julio Rodriguez and Ronald Acuna Jr. for this team? So there are questions. There's obviously a lot to like a team that went to the playoffs last year and went to the ALCS. But um, I think I like Toronto more.
0: Yeah, you know, I uh, I would tend to agree with you. in, you know, in regards to the questions and the concerns about the Yankees, and and the one thing too that like that to me like when they were not playing good baseball last year, a lot of what we saw with the Yankees uh, was that you know there was Aaron Judge in that lineup and that was it you know they there were for long stretches of the season they got zero production out of really literally anyone else and you know i could see that being an issue again this year i know when we uh uh we uh, thought we went reviewed uh, you know espn's list of top 100 players that came out earlier in the week you know Aaron Judge was on that list and there was not another single position player from the Yankees on that list and so that's my concerns i think sometimes if teams get smart this year and really pitch around Aaron Judge you know, who's going to do the damage on a consistent basis like to me to me the Yankees trying to get you know getting to 94 wins i i just don't see that i mean i just like you said especially with the pitching injuries right now going into it i wouldn't be a bit surprised if this team especially if they don't hit around judge gets off to a slow start
1: they're going to need D.J. LeMayhu to be back to what he was, you know, 2021. It's hurt a lot of last year, as I recall. They're going to need Gleyber Torres to – be the guy he was supposed to be early in his career. He came up with a you know with with a bang for the Yankees, but he's really kind of regressed the last couple of years. And you know they got to get something else out of the outfield in general. Kind of to your point, Aaron Hicks has done nothing but be injured since they got him uh, long term locked up to that seven year deal a couple of years ago. Bader's on the injured list to start the season, so there are there are a lot of health questions that kind of impacts the ceiling for this team. They're still. Very, very good. They still have high-end potential. I still think they're a playoff team, especially in an expanded playoff field. But you asked how I feel about them repeating as division champs,
0: and I like Toronto better. Yep. And uh, So let's talk about those Blue Jays briefly then. If you like them best as as your pick, uh, what is it that sets them apart for you with with finishing ahead of the Yankees?
1: I just don't want to pitch to anyone in that lineup for the most part. I mean, Vlad Jr., Bo Bichette, George Springer. Right there, those three. And then they've worked to add balance to their lineup as well, getting a couple of lefties. Kevin Kiermeyer comes over from a Rays team you know well. They go and get Brandon Belt, obviously, from uh, from the Giants. So they've added more depth to their lineup. They've added more balance to their lineup. Last year they were extremely right-handed. Matt Chapman, obviously, is still there. There's just no – Alejandro Kirk is a power-hitting catcher. They get Dalton Varsho in a deal from uh, – from Arizona, that's another balanced guy who can catch and play the outfield and hit you 20 home runs. There's just no easy way to turn if you're pitching to this lineup. And then as their pitching staff, you know, I, I think there's been some improvement there as well. They go get Eric Swanson to help in the back end of that bullpen in a deal from Seattle. Yeah, they gave up uh, Teoscar Hernandez, which is tough, but you know, you go and get a valuable bullpen piece there. And, um, you know, I still like Romano with the back of their bullpen. I still like Gosman at the top end of their rotation. They go get Chad Green also. So Chris Bassett comes in on a multi-year deal. So the pitching staff improved, too. I just think the Blue Jays were already good. And, you know, last year I know they had it, too, but they spent a, lot of, a couple of years being a nomad through, the, you know, the COVID Blue Jays, living in Dunedin, living in Buffalo. They're back north of the border. They're back full-time. They're back in a routine. And I just think they've improved.
0: Yep, I agree. I, I I always have liked their lineup, and I think they did a nice job of adding some pieces to that uh, as well. Uh, last year, obviously their bullpen let them down a whole heck of a lot, and I think they've uh, like you mentioned with Swanson coming over. I think that will help. Uh, they've got some young arms that they really like too to throw a hundred. Uh, you know, I, yep. I think Pearson, out
1: of the Pearson's going to start in AAA, but he's one of the top was one of the top pitching prospects in baseball, hitting 101 here in spring training. So we'll see him at some point. He's got a potential to be a difference maker too.
0: Absolutely, and uh, of course, I still love the Rays. That rotation, I think, is going to be really good when they get Tyler Glasnow back. To you know, they've got five really good starters, and if that group can all stay healthy, and I think they will hit better. They didn't make you know the, the moves that a lot of people wanted to uh, improve that uh, that lineup, you know, from top to bottom on. But I think. A lot of guys who just didn't, you know, like Brandon Lau missed most of last year with an injury, and when he was playing, he wasn't doing much. I'm expecting a big year, bounce back year from him. I really do see Wander Franco as being healthy all year long, and and and, and kind of go, continuing on that path of stardom that's for him. And you know, and my dark horse MVP candidate is from the Rays, Randy Arozarena. I think he's, uh, I think he's found another year. Maturity has helped. I think the World Baseball Classic. being on that little stage has uh has helped him a lot too i you know i think that team will be better and it's uh you know i i you know it's gonna i think it's gonna be a good three-team race and i i really see that uh coming right down to the last week or two and i'm kind of leaning to the Rays a little bit but uh, there may be a little bit a little bit of bias there but we'll see but like you mentioned with the yankees i'm all aboard too and the you know the blue jays as long as that starting rotation stays healthy they, they got some good arms in that rotation i'm I'm a big Alec Manoa fan. Kevin Gosman pitched really well early last year. I think the Jays, if they can get a full season of what they got out of him early in the year, you know, certainly it's going to be a great three, three team race. So yeah, and the
1: reports, it, reports out of race camper that Zach Eflin looks great too. So
0: yes, yeah, that's a, uh, it was a bit of a surprise that the, you know, their one big free agent signing was another starting pitcher, but you can't ever have enough pitching. That's for <laughs> sure. So, all right. So question number two for you, uh, the, uh, um, you know, what, what is there a certain storyline that you're looking for in regards to watching the AL East this season? I know we kind of touched on the new schedule format and such, but is there, is there any sort of storyline that you're going to kind of look forward to following all season long?
1: Yeah, I want to see how the, young play, how the young and new players into the division do. I think that's something I'm really going to be keyed on. And specifically, Yankees-Red Sox rivalry, Volpe for the Yankees, Tristan Casas for the Red Sox. How do these young players develop? They're both going to start. They're both going to be there opening day. They both have the potential to be cornerstones in the franchise for at least six years of this rookie deal, and hopefully in both cases for both teams, you know, a decade plus. This team these, – these teams – we always, it's always going to be a rivalry, we know that. But it's kind of soured the last couple of years. Red Sox haven't been as good in 2022. They were good in 2021, but they were horrible in 2020, not very good in 2019. So the rivalry needs to be reignited, and maybe with a couple of young players as pillars, it can help take it to that next uh, you know—that next level, that next generation of rivalry. So how Volpe does, with a lot of expectations, a lot of weight on him. Casas the same in Boston. And then, to a lesser degree, Masataki Yoshida, for the red Sox as well now obviously he is a rookie but he is older comes over from japan where he was excellent there great in the world baseball classic had the led the wbc and rbis most rbis ever in a single wbc so the red Sox need him to be good and i'm going to be following him too but if you're asking me for kind of a broader rookie storyline i'm more interested in casas versus volpe
0: absolutely i like that too and Uh, but we haven't really had a chance to talk about the Orioles much yet. And it's like, to me, that's their storyline as well, too. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, Adley Rutschman coming up last year, a great catcher. Uh, When he made his uh, major league debut in Baltimore, it was against the Rays, and happened to be at Camden Yards for that. And just the excitement around that kid is something. He's really going to – he's a special kid, too, you can talk about being, you know, Pen- just pencil him in every day for the next six years for the Orioles and you're and you're good to go there and they, of course they got Gunnar Henderson now that's ready to tr- they hopefully do the same type of thing there too and you know and that's to me is what makes this Orioles team kind of fun to watch too it's like they made a huge big step last year you know, from being the worst in baseball to being a competitive team flirting with 500 most of the year like they did uh you know and now they're adding some more pieces and they've got uh, some pitchers they like. And uh, certainly I think, you know, they're going to be an interesting team to watch too, because of all of their young guys.
1: Yeah, you're right. Good point there. As we talk about the young players, Rutschman, obviously we know Henderson is going to get to start on opening day for them. Also, Um Grayson Rodriguez, one of the top pitching prospects in baseball isn't going to break camp with the team, but there's a chance. I think we will see him in 2023. It's just a question of what kind of impact can he have? Can he be the, you know, the Orioles version of what George Kirby was to the Mariners a year ago um, and Logan Gilbert the year before for Seattle. So we've seen young pitchers come up and make an impact. And I think Grayson Rodriguez might be able to be that guy. Orioles did not do a lot in their rotation. That certainly is the thing you would wonder about how those guys can hold up. I mean, they have a lot of guys with good stuff, right? Kyle Bradish has good stuff and Dean Kramer who has good stuff. And he started WBC game one for Israel, you know, mid nineties fastball, good cutter, but you know, Kyle Gibson and just, eh, you know, John Means isn't there. He's recovering from Tommy John. Rodriguez isn't there. Kind of got some guys we like and then some guys you have questions about. You know, Cole Irvin comes over from the A's. I don't know. The, the rotation doesn't feel ready to get them to an 87-win team right now.
0: Nope, I would agree with that. And It's certainly question marks because last year uh they were able to stay – uh, well they you know they lost some guys for the year you know before the season started but they were able to uh, stay healthy most of the year especially with their bullpen guys who were so good um, and, and and I don't know if you can ever count on staying healthy two years in a row like that we'll have to see but uh, I think it's the Orioles that can really benefit the most from this uh this new schedule and not having uh to play the Yankees and the jays and the and the you know, in the, in the race 57 times, you know, yeah. I think they'll, I think they'll benefit greatly from that as well too. So, all right. So last question, uh, you know, every year I do a, a what I call the, the three up three down story where I look at all the win totals, you know, for all 30 teams in baseball and, and pick, you know, the three teams that I think will sort of outdo the, uh, the averages. And then three teams that I think have no chance of, of getting close to the projected win totals. And two of those teams for me are in the AL East. I mean, it's for me, like the Rays, uh, you know, that, that 89 number, I think they're better than that. Uh, I think they'll win the division because of all that pitching and that great bullpen. Uh, we saw all those arms last year, just dominate down the stretch. And Pete Fairbanks is feeling good. Jason Adam feeling good Their But I really like that bullpen a lot too. And I think they will hit more. I like the Rays to go more. Now the team that I think has no chance of winning 78 games this year of the Boston Red Sox, I um, I know they've got young guys coming, uh, but to me, you know, they're starting the season with their rotation in kind of shambles already. They've got a lot of arms uh, that they're that they're missing. They're starting Corey Kluber on opening day, and uh, and Chris Sale. I know you can't just cannot count on him staying healthy for as little as he's pitched in the last three years. I have a real concern that the Red Sox are going to really struggle this year. Now, you're right there. You're right there in uh, New England with them, and maybe you'll disagree with me. But the, uh, you know, my three ups and my three downs, I like the Rays to win more than 89, and I don't think the Red Sox can get to 78.
1: The Red Sox can get to 78. I don't think they will, but I think they're going to be very, very close. I think the Red Sox are like a 76-win team. Um But they absolutely can get above 78, and that can is, you know, comes with a lot of ifs attached, and hope is not a strategy, so, you know, you don't want to be in that spot. But if Chris Sale makes 20 starts, if James Paxton is okay, if, um, you know, Justin Turner stays healthy, if Yoshida hits, if Casas hits – they can find their way to 78 plus wins. They can, if everything goes well, I think this team is probably an 84-85 win team. And I mean like everything's going perfect. Everyone's being healthy and everyone's contributing. That doesn't seem to be likely because that hardly ever happens in a baseball season, to your, you know, to your point from a couple of minutes ago. Um, you know, I think they're gonna deal with some injuries. They've got some rotation uncertainty. Obviously, a lot of it, that's the weakest part of their team and the biggest question mark health-wise. They are starting behind the eight ball when it comes to that offensively you know there's not a lot of depth there so Christian Arroyo has never proven he can stay healthy for a full 162. Kike Hernandez has been injured the last couple of years he's been with the Red Sox so I just think there's too much lack of depth and too many overall questions I do think the talent is good enough to get to 84 85 wins but with the injury concerns i'll say they're probably a 76 win team they're probably looking at selling off some pieces at the trade deadline that probably makes you worse as well but i don't think they're as bad as you seem to think they
0: are well, we'll see. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's uh, yeah, and I'm and I'm not looking at them as as being a 65 win team or anything like that. I'm not. I just, uh, you know, I just, you know, to me, they're, you know, if, if, especially if they can't get some of these starting uh, rotation arms healthy, you know, later in the year, some guys who are, are shelved now, um, you know, I, I could certainly see them more like low to mid 70s for sure. And, well, uh, yeah.
1: Those guys are all going to be back reportedly here within the first two weeks of the season. Garrett Whitlock is just a little bit behind schedule. Brian Bayo is just a little bit behind schedule. So they're planning on having their full complement of rotation mates here, you know, two turns through the rotation max and then having everybody there. But even if you get everybody back, Bayo's is a young guy. There's going to be innings limitations on him. Whitlock had a hip injury last year. We know about sale. We know about Paxton and we know about Kluber's injury history. So, even when they get everybody back, there's still a a significant gray area they're operating in, but they do plan to have everybody back by mid April.
0: Absolutely. And that's the big thing. Like when they come back, how good are they and how, uh, how stretched out are they? I mean, it's uh, uh, you know, and how often do they wind up taxing this bullpen way too much in April and early May. You know, that's, I think that's all that's just going to be to watch. Like I said, I just, you know, as much as I've always enjoyed Red Sox baseball through the years, I just don't feel good, very comfortable about this team, but uh, that's the joy of starting it up on Thursday, yeah. Brady. And uh, uh, we'll be excited to see how it all plays out. So uh, thanks very much for your time tonight. And uh, we'll look forward to, uh, to all your uh, great coverage here on fastball and fan nation. And uh, here, as we close out the show, we'll, uh, we'll let everybody know how to, you know, to, 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 to see everything on the site and, And, again, all our social media channels, we'll get uh, all that stuff on here uh, for all to read to. So, Brady, thanks much for this, and uh, we'll see you next up. We'll uh, preview the NLEs next. Thanks for being part of the show tonight, Brady.
1: Thank you.